Welcome to another episode of the Chop Liver Podcast. We are your hosts, Elise and May, and today we are doing another book review podcast and looking at navigating the art world professional practice for the early career artist. Welcome to 2022, everybody. I hope that everyone has had a good start to 2022. We are very excited to be recording again. This is, will be our first episode for 2022, but it is also our first remote recording. For those who don't know, I am now based in the green countrysides of Ireland, while Emma is still in beautiful, sunny Johannesburg. But luckily, we have technology on our side and we are still able to record the podcast that we love so, so much. And of course, because we are such book lovers, what better way to start than with a book review? We hope that everyone's had a really wonderful, productive, artistic start. But for those who have been kind of struggling to get into it, and we thought that this would be a really great book for anyone who's still looking to gain that artistic momentum, to find that inspiration, and also how to essentially navigate the art world, which this book so beautifully does. The book was published by Delphian Gallery, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend in Berlin. Um, who knows that I'm doing research about kind of galleries and independent artists and so on. So I went onto their website and I found this book and it wasn't actually even difficult to ship to South Africa. I think it's 12 euros and a little pocket book that's kind of like a, a notebook of sorts. And the lovely folks at Dolphin Gallery, Ben and Nick, they put it together so beautifully. I mean, from people who appreciate books, the book is, I think it's quite beautiful. It's like printed on newsprint and beautifully designed and beautiful cover and actually just great as a kind of little mini manual for navigating the art world, answering all those questions that we've had. Some things quite obvious, I think, but then... You know, the obvious is only comes to light when you really, really think about it. You know, you think you read it and then you think, sure, this is this is so obvious, but you haven't really it hasn't really sunk in. So I found that quite a beautiful thing about the book. So often we forget about the obvious things when you're, you're always thinking, especially when you're trying to, how am I going to get it into art world? How am I going to make my big break? You are most of the time, I think you're you let the small things slide with this book. It's such a wonderful, concise summary of things to look out for when you're starting out as an artist like uh, what it is about building a portfolio getting an audience selling artworks and where it really is realizing that you as an artist need to make these opportunities for yourself and also one of the aspects is the fact that there are a lot of common mistakes that a lot of people make but just to give you guys a really wonderful overview of the book here are the chapters that they dive into so here we've got handling yourself as a business which I think is something that a lot of artists have had to learn how to do. Then we've got building your profile, locating your audience, using social media and what is effective social media, the role of the gallery in a post-social media world, engaging with audience, and then getting people through the door. Now, these are all aspects of the art world that, A, we find sometimes very overwhelming and confusing, but all aspects of being an artist that I think a lot of people want to really engage with. So one thing that just stood out to me about the book, you know, actually navigating through the book, it was the fact that it, it kind of starts with people who really are not at all 
integrated in the art world in any way. It starts as, you know, what are the first steps that you have to do in order to not make the work, but you've made a little bit of work now and now you want to go into showing the work and, you know, access an audience, which I thought was quite interesting. And then it moves on through the course of the book. So actually the point in your artistic career where you have patrons and collectors and what type of collectors they are and how to cultivate collectors. So I found that quite fascinating because even working in the gallery environment, the question of collectors always comes up. So I think that it's quite a wonderful overview of the progression in how you make your way into integrating yourself into the art world. But one of the things that stood out to me that I really love, just to to go back to your point of getting people through the door, um, you know, working at a gallery and putting up shows, um, also Elise, which you know quite a bit about because you have also done that and practicing artists, but also worked as a gallerist. I find that, you know, galleries promote their exhibitions through their networks and artists, you know, they give the work, they drop it off at the gallery and they basically like, what are you going to do to promote this work? And, you know, what have you done and all of that? And, and the galleries, a lot of galleries have a very good system in place as to how to promote works to their audience, whether it's Instagram, they put it on Facebook, they put it on their website, they send it out to a mailing list and then individual collectors, bases, you like distributing information, targeted emails and so on. But one thing that really appealed to me in the book is that they're basically saying that artists should learn how to do all these things themselves. Your role as an artist during an exhibition is essential as well because basically artists would go to a gallery and say I'm making use of this gallery's network when ultimately it could go both ways you know you it should be a cross-pollination of um, broadening an audience and what are you doing to bring people into your to your exhibition and we know from experience on both sides that that is a real real thing I mean you could actually engage as an artist with your gallery and say give me the catalog give me the tools where's my social media banners you know make it easy for them by engaging with them and being active in the exhibition I think that that is just a really, that is something that really stood out to me. And I often experience this in the gallery world. I often feel like, you know, I wish there were more artists like that. In a way, it's quite demanding, but there's nothing better than an artist actually being interested in what you're doing for them. It's also about artists just being excited about what they're making. And the the first chapter in the book deals with that so much, like handling yourself as a business. And if you aren't an artist who's going to put just as much into self-promoting yourself and getting... Uh, it's just maybe a dirty word, but like your brand out there, then why should the, the gallery put as much effort in if you aren't willing to put in the same amount of effort, really? And I think those are like sometimes difficult lessons to learn as an artist. You make those mistakes once or twice. You sometimes think, oh, well, the gallery is going to do all the work for me. Why should I even bother? You almost need to look at you as an artist the same way that a gallery looks at its exhibitions as a whole where it's like you have every month you have your mailing list that goes out you have your close contacts that you're sharing new artworks with and I think it's so true galleries love working with artists like that because they have someone that's just as excited about their work as they are and by that I think a lot of collectors see that enthusiasm they also want to start backing artists that are excited about their work 
And also what's really nice is that collectors can see that there's a lot of continuity in that. And that way you kind of start to build your artistic practice and then your artistic brand. The other point, you know, just to add to that, which also made a lot of sense, they write about you, an artist that have put forward work or are working in collaboration with the gallery. Obviously, that relationship makes sense to you in some way. So, you know, why not do your best to get the best out of it? And I think that that's, you know, we, we constantly talk about collaboration in the podcast and how important it is um, to collaborate. But we never, you know, maybe we've been speaking quite a bit about it from an artistic point of view and how do you learn new skills from other artists. But in the same way where gallery practitioners and artists work together, there has to be that two-way relationship for it to go really smoothly. And I think that that is something for me that is not either people aren't aware of it or I haven't experienced it much. I mean, we've I've worked with great artists and, you know, we work really hard to build those relationships and and they bring it back in their own way. But generally, I find that artists aren't aware, especially young artists, aren't aware of how much they have to do to maintain that relationship as well and I just thought that that was quite a quite a key point if anyone wanted a tip as an artist you know how to go the distance with working with different collaborators it's really investing in as much of yourself in it as they are investing in you and if it's not happening if it's not um if that investment and that relationship doesn't get enriched in some way or it's not working in some way, then you can step away from it. But I think if you feel like anything, if you fill the jar with the jelly beans and take out and so on, it is going to be fruitful and it is going to be, you know, quite a special thing. So, so that need that time and that energy needs to be put in both ways. The Delphine Gallery also mentions in the book is that they're saying not only how much an artist's role has changed, especially now with this, the rise of social media, but it's also how gallery spaces have had to change over the years and of how they've had to adapt. Because I, what I really appreciate of what they've written in the book is they acknowledge the fact that, you know what, these days artists, why do they need a gallery? Because you can do so much of that so self-promotion via social media. You can do that via your website. You can sell via your website. So they themselves are asking this question, like, what is the purpose of your conventional white cube gallery? And how they've taken on that question is that they really see it as this is a collaborative space. They're collaborators. And that is how they're really nurturing relationships with artists. That's in the same part as where artists need to do their part and how they're promoting themselves. It's also where galleries take on the role as collaborators, where it really is about creating a mutually beneficial relationship between the artist and gallery and how can they work together to actually really benefit from one another. And once again, I mean, I mean, like all of our listeners know, we're just like collaboration, collaboration, collaboration. But that really is where that beautiful sweet spot exists, where everyone can benefit. I mean, the next thing that was really fascinating and I think so relevant in today's kind of art world dynamic is the benefits of non-traditional or DIY kind of exhibition spaces. I mean, we've noticed in the art world that artists are showing with any and every gallery in some instances and in other instances they've shied away completely from galleries because of either they're showing all the artists there's no real plan you know it's such a mess at the moment in you know from my perspective that unless you sign to a big gallery there's either nowhere to go or 
it's really tough on sales. So so artists are doing what they need to be doing to make a living from their practice and their art making and so on. So the other the other side of that is other than working with galleries is then working with spaces that are they putting up themselves. You know, pop ups. It's something that happens every once in a while um i've heard about it in cape town where artists have literally moved into a little few square meter shop and put up a clothing rail and hung artworks um you know outside of the shop front and doing interesting things like that and actually getting quite a good response from that because the stigma of the gallery is removed from that situation and they've actually feel more free you don't have to share costs with the gallery you mean there obviously are always costs involved when you involved when you put up exhibitions and so on but working within a more non-traditional gallery space or kind of a pop-up space of your own actually allows for quite a bit of freedom in terms of how you display your work how you communicate your work how people are invited to come and experience the work and I feel like that's made quite an impact on artists and myself actually in the last two years like people want to see work in a different context so I think that the relevance of non-traditional gallery spaces is growing and the book gives wonderful case studies about what those different exhibition spaces look like whether it's in a shopping mall whether you're working in a car park whether you're in abandoned little spaces and I think what's also really beneficial about stepping outside of that traditional white cube gallery space is that you're also starting to engage with a very different audience it's the audiences that be a little bit intimidated to walk into a gallery space but here if you kind of put your work into a space where you have your everyday people you're engaging with a whole new demographic that also gives artworks and artists the ability to grow in a very different way and also introducing art to people who wouldn't necessarily be introduced to art. And so you're also having people who want to become collectors. So it opens up so many doors when you step away from that space. There's always, think back on the days when I was in university, when we were kind of in fourth year and we're like oh what are we going to do like if, if we are we going to get picked up by a gallery are we not going to be picked up by a gallery that's always the question and I think it still is but then we through those conversations we kept saying like but why don't we just do our exhibitions ourselves we can just see who would be willing to give us a space for a month it doesn't have to be a gallery and you as artists or collectives or just individuals, you can actually take the initiative and give yourself an exhibition. Why not? And I think we're so often governed by these so-called exhibiting rules. And But what has been seen in the contemporary art space is that there is a lot of room for us to kind of break down those kind of unspoken rules because sometimes they're not that necessary and we can forge our own paths essentially Mm. and then you know it also provides an interesting opportunity for artists working within a specific space that have certain limitations to respond to the confines of that space and actually make for quite an interesting exhibition something a little bit more um, grungy necessarily or you know just responding to the nuances of a space I think really can add to the flavor of of an exhibition which uh, is very exciting um, sometimes much more so than having the same old exhibition space that doesn't change, that doesn't ever change. And I mean, just going back to that, looking at alternative exhibition spaces, it, there's, there's opens up so much more to you also kind of diving into site-specific artwork. 
which I think is always such an exciting thing. Like you said, you can start to respond to the spaces in very different ways. There is, what I like about the book is that they've, between all the chapters, they have like these little mini chapters where they've asked people within the art world these really fun questions. And it's either talking to artists, gallerists, writers, really kind of anyone who functions within the art space. Uh, And one of the questions I will ask is, what is one thing about the art world that you wish would disappear forever? And I like it. You had some like humorous answers where Jake Chapman said, paint. Um, But it's kind of weird to imagine the art world without a bit of paint. (laughs) Um, But another one that I really liked and kind of hits a little bit harder um, is Henley Roberts' answer where he says, wannabe artists, curators, galleries, and dealers. These are really tough jobs to do well. They're not lifestyle options. And that's a statement that I really love. So much of the art world can sometimes be a very enticing career path because it seems very luxurious and it has its perks, of course. But I think it's really nice to be reminded that, as he says, like these are really tough jobs to do well. Artists, curators and galleries, collectors that really put in the effort and they really put their heart and soul into what they make is tough. It's not easy and sometimes it's not as glamorous as what it seems. Yeah, and I think also, you know, artists working both ways, you know, as an artist curator, they actually speak quite a bit about artists needing to become curators of their own works and their own shows. Um, very interesting, like like not necessarily always stepping back 100% when um, curators are working with their works. You know, we would get this often where artists would come drop off works and they're like, okay, not if it's a group show or whatever, but they need to be involved in that process because what a curator is actually doing or gallerists actually doing, they're translating the work with the intention of the artist in mind, not saying to people what they should be thinking and not directly quoting artists on what it should be, but helping in that translation process. Um, but just get, to get back to the quotes, one that I really enjoyed um, by Neva Hosking that I totally agree with that would disappear is networking. I totally hate that. And I hate that small talk, you know, even being someone who talks a lot, but actually is kind of introvert, extroverted. Networking is something that I've actually never enjoyed. And, you know, sometimes I just feel like, can we just get to the point? You like this work. I want to have you. I want to sell this work to you. So let's just do it. You know, what is all this small talk about? So, so it's actually quite quite quirky and there's a lot of stuff I think for everyone that they can respond to in the in the the book and then another one that was really funny that you know I'm sure a lot of artists feel maybe not all of them because I think a lot of people love their earlier works but um, Richie Culver said that he wished the one thing that would disappear was his earlier works which I just thought was hilarious because who hasn't felt like that you know it's those even if it's those school artworks of yours that you're like I don't want anyone to see these things so so that was pretty funny so I've enjoyed that but Elise, you you were talking about really the one thing that really struck with you in the book is is this chapter about the pitfalls of selling. All artists want to sell. Why do we make work? We're not just ma- we're making work because we want to be artists. We have this urge to create. What are you going to create? I mean, we're always keeping in mind, you know, is this image going? Is anyone going to want this image? Or even if it's secretly at the back of your mind and you're just playing or whatever, when it's resolved, you think, sure, you know, can I actually put this on show and can I put a price on that? What was it about this chapter that really struck you? Biggest thing is realizing how many mistakes I've been making <laughs> over the years. It's really nice to be highlighted because there is so much that you think you're doing right. You think that you're following the right steps. You think that you're promoting yourself in the right way. And then 
what I learned from reading this chapter is that I'm actually making very silly mistakes. One of the ones that I think I kind of keep making that I've been making ever since university was essentially editing the artwork that you land up showing to the world. And it's a nice reminder that not everything you make is good and that's not a bad thing. I mean, you need to sometimes realize that the stuff that you make, it's it's experimental. It's the stuff that leads to creating the good work. And I think these days we live in such a in our social media time that we constantly want to fill our Instagram feeds, want to keep showing what people what we've been making. But I think you then often make the mistake of oversharing, but sharing in a way that's like it's your experimental work that you maybe shouldn't be putting out there into the world. And I think that it's very interesting to know that sometimes things just shouldn't leave the studio. They should stay your experiments. And it's very much like in the same way that curators select artworks for a show, I think it's very similar how artists maybe, well, how I feel like what I've learned from reading the, this chapter is that almost curating your work in a way like, okay, this is work that, that the world sees. This is the work that the Instagram sees. And the rest of it is the room for progress. It's the space for experimentation. I always thought that, oh, I must just share absolutely everything, but sometimes that's to one's own detriment. <laughs> it's the same about sketchbooks. I, you know, it's like so many people don't want to, so many artists, sorry, um, don't want to share their sketch, sketchbooks because those are mind maps and thought processes of or just panning out ideas or practicing a certain area of your visual language that needs developing and you know I'm always I was always previously bugging people about oh you do do you keep a sketchbook and let's see it and stuff it's actually such a private thing it's such a private diary of your artistic development that's constantly ongoing I mean we know drawing is such an unforgiving practice and it's it's really difficult but being a young or emerging artist, I feel such a sense of achievement in producing something that you are happy with. You want to share that. And, and having a platform, I think, like Instagram or so on, the way we can share that can be very encouraging at the same time, you know. So there is a, there's a little bit of a fine line between sharing everything and sharing nothing or not nothing but you know that those processes and progress that you make because I think that the platforms through which we work do have the ability to encourage people to continue I mean speaking for myself that's really helped me I mean we've had people saying that you know you think you're putting something out on Instagram maybe because you want to keep a record of it or whatever for whatever reason and then Years later, people say, you know, I love everything you put out on Instagram. They're not saying it's the best artwork in the world, but they encouraging you by saying, you know, I really enjoy following your stuff. So I think that that, yeah, that should maybe be something to consider. Or you have to say this is process or you have to say there's an area for process and then there's an area for, you know, finished work, maybe like your website or maybe your website has a blog where you do your, your process shots or you do whatever it is that you do. But I think that that putting that content out there, especially when you're a beginner, just can be very solidifying in, in your practice later on. They spoke to artist and educator um, Henley Roberts in a chapter entitled The Pursuit of Being an Artist. There's something that they said in there that really resonated with me. And he writes, just kind of generally about the art world, he writes, it's not a level playing field, and it's important to acknowledge that. 
To be successful, you need to think about the kind of art you want to make, what kind of artist you want to be, and what success looks like to you. That quote that he wrote just sums up what a lot of early career artists actually need to sit and think about. But what that quote also reminds me of is that being an artist is such a personal experience and you can't actually compare your career success to others. What your success looks like is so different to so many other people's value of success. And it's important for, I think, a lot of artists to answer those questions that he kind of states over there just because that way that you can see how you want to present yourself as an artist to the public, how you see yourself as an artist in your own studio, and then how you see yourself as an artist in exhibition spaces and then on social media. I think it's a wonderful way for early career artists to kind of define who they are. And sure, that might take a lot of time to define who you are as an artist. Sure, I don't even know what that is really just yet, but I think it's a really wonderful starting point to just for yourself to answer those questions. I fully agree with that, you know, and I think that we measure our own success, but you have to have goals. And we've always said that you have to like work towards something. Um, And I think the journey in getting there should be a careful one. Just to add to that on a kind of more in-depth level, um, it's something maybe that I struggle with and I'm sure a lot of people struggle with this, but what is it that you make? And there's there's an interesting chapter about, in, in actually in the pitfalls of selling chapter, that speaks about consistency versus experimentation. And, you know, if you find one thing that you find works, if you made that first body of work and that it's super successful and it's sold out, you know, should you find one thing and stick to it? And and they answer it very clearly in a sense um, by saying, no, you know, there's nothing. And they write actually that there's nothing more interesting than an artist who flogs the same dead horse over and over you know, if you find a thing that works for you, do it, but don't do it to death, and but don't abandon it either. So, you know, that was quite an interesting point for me in terms of thematics, you know, what should I draw? What should I make? You know, and if you have a certain visual language that's very connected conceptually and visually to a certain certain aesthetic uh, or certain concept, you know, what, what should you do with that? I think that that was quite a really good um Real, not a realization, I suppose, is not the right thing to say, but just a really good thing to think about is that what is this thing that you're making? You don't want to be that artist who just makes anything and everything. But but if you find something that works, like how does it get adapted? You know, how broad does that theme have to be in order for it to work? So I found that that for me was like pretty interesting that they even deal with kind of thematic things, not just a physical navigation of the art world, but that the book actually deals with kind of your inward perception of your own practice. And I really enjoyed that. And getting back to that, that's always been a question that I've asked. It's like, how many times can I do something until people are like, okay, well, we've seen enough of that now. Can we move on to something else? But then I was always asking like, but what would then make me recognizable as an artist? I mean, you look at um, artists such as William Kentridge, I think these days you can very easily be like, okay, that's a Kentridge. But you can also see from his early work to the work he's making currently that there has been a progression. In the the David Crew Projects podcast, there is a podcast with Matthew Hindley. And there, there was a question of where does that consistency lie do you keep making the same thing or do you make different things? And I loved his answer to that question where it's just like the subject matter can change because it's still you, the artist, making the work. 
it's you are the continuing thread that your subject matter can change the style can change but you as the artist is what remains in that and I thought that that was such a wonderful way of looking at it because you so often think that you need to find that one formula that works and I've seen a lot of artists where they have that one formula and it is almost done to death and but it still sells I think that's also the question that that exists there but I like the fact that you exist through all of it regardless if you're painting printing sculpting or just doing still lives, you, the artist, still exists. Mm, the Delphian book also deals with it quite splendidly, I thought. They they were saying that, you know, if the question is, how will people know it's me? Um, they say that if they don't know, tell them. Just tell them. That's your work. And I, I thought that that was so simple. And I was like, yeah, right, of course, of course. You just tell people you know that's that's who you are because you people will be following you and you there's it's there's something very interesting and I think that that for someone who works with or is interested in working with artists for a long period of time there's nothing more exhilarating than their progression over a long period of time you know they maybe started with more um figurative work but then have gone into abstract and the abstract becomes monochromatic and you know it, it changes and there is like a beautiful growth there in following an artist trajectory in terms of their visual language that, you know, that I really enjoy. So, you know, just for anyone who cares, like that would be, that is really the answer. There is a, something very exciting about language and subject matter that progresses because I think we often, you know, start making work within the comfort of our own frame of reference. And it's when you become more confident as an artist that you actually look could look more to the outside world in, in taking on subject matters that are outside of yourself. But we do have a very interesting and special podcast giveaway in this episode. Um, you know, we are all about supporting creatives and supporting people who are trying to who are in in the arts and and other creative industries who actually don't get exposure or don't have the resources to find the answers to answers to some of these questions um, and we know how difficult it can be to try and grow your practice and um, it is through books like navigating the art world that we are able to learn the best you know how to do what we need to do so Elise tell them what is the pod the podcast giveaway for this episode so we were so fortunate to actually receive an extra copy of the book so we would love to give uh, this copy away to our listeners and our followers and like I may say that we really we really are here to support the artists that are really trying to make it and I we really found that through us reading this book we really found that we learned so much and I think that our listeners can also learn from it. So how you can enter into this very special book giveaway is that we will have a post on Instagram and all you will need to do is tag a friend and place a comment on the post about the best advice that you've received about the art world. And for an extra little uh, entry, you can share that onto your stories because uh, the more the merrier, really. And unfortunately, due to high shipping costs, uh, the competition will just be available to people in South Africa. But anyone else around the world listening... Trust me, this is really a book worth getting for even mid-career artists. I think that all the information in there is really valuable. And even though there are things that might seem 
obvious or straightforward, I think it's really important to sometimes just go back to the basics. And just a special shout out to Ben and Nick who sent us the extra book and who said that we could give it away to collaborator or other colleague in the art world. So just very special thanks to them from the Delphian Gallery. As Elise said, we unfortunately only have one book, but it is available to order on their website for 12 euros plus shipping um, through regular postal service and I think courier. So if you don't win, just go order a copy um it's a great book it's a great book to have but i think that's all for today and we'll see you next time see you next time thanks bye, bye. for more information on the platform visit our website choppedliversociety.com and like us on facebook and instagram and bring your friends And this podcast was produced by Jonathan Bell at Bell Studios in Johannesburg.